0: Welcome once again to the Vantage Performance Podcast. I'm Phil Dobby. Now, last time we spoke to Sue Morgan about the need for mentoring about how everyone needs some of it because it can act as a sounding board to ensure you're making the best possible decisions. And we spoke about the people who might have built up companies who believed they didn't need help or advice from anyone. Well, what about taking the whole thing a step further and having a board? How do you feel about that? To talk more about the need for boards and their roles and responsibilities, I'm joined by Andrew Birch, who has 20 years or more experience in business consultancy, having helped many a business out of a a a tight spot, uh, and we've got him on the line. So, Andrew, I mean, boards, aren't they just really a a necessary evil for for publicly listed companies? I mean, they're there to satisfy shareholders. I mean, if you're running a private company, and perhaps you've got a a few people who've put money into it, aren't you just adding a layer of bureaucracy to the whole thing? Sure. I think, you know, if if you have a board that isn't effective, then you're certainly
1: adding a layer of bureaucracy, but if you have a board that is uh, effective uh, and provides good governance in the broadest sense then you really add value to the business
0: and is it quite commonplace for, for companies that you know aren't publicly listed to have to have some sort of board structure behind them yeah it's pretty common but, i mean
1: every board legally has to have every company legally has to have uh you know a director so mm. um technically every company has a board but uh, whether
0: the board actually meets is another thing <laughs> that's so, right i mean those those pieces of paper that are exchanged to say, yes, we had a meeting didn't we that sort of we thing we
1: had a meeting and uh and you remember make sure you put it in your diary so that I can confirm you're in the country at the right <laughs> time, and time um so sure um you know boards are supposed to meet and um and some do and some don't uh, We find that the companies that have a board uh including yeah, at least three people and preferably including a non-executive director yeah. um, and meet regularly and prepare information for those board meetings
0: and have an agenda and discuss things in a, in a thoughtful manner, um, perform better in business. I guess, and we'll come to sort of what sort of expectations you can have on that performance, but just looking at some of the other reasons why people perhaps don't uh, consider it as a serious option, obviously, is is you're relinquishing a bit of power, aren't you? A bit of control. If you've, you've built up a business and it's your baby to actually all of a sudden have some other people who could wield some control over that business, that's, that's a bit of a concern. Why would you do it to yourself?
1: Well, um, often uh, in a commercial situation, the board will comprise the executive directors. So these are um, directors uh, app- who app- people who are appointed as a director, but who uh, work in the business. Yeah. So normally, you know, be a managing director, maybe a chief financial officer, maybe um, a sales director, that type of thing. Um, so there'll be a, there'll be an executive um, director group, uh, and then there is a non-executive um, director group or group of non-executive directors, those people are brought in to add additional wisdom and experience to the board. So, for example, in the case of um, an engineering company where all of the executive directors are engineers, they may benefit from some additional marketing experience or finance experience or legal experience. And so...
0: Um, they may go out and look for non-executive directors with those skills to bolster the board. But can't, two, can't you sorry. get can't you get that sort of expertise without going through the process of, of having them on a board? Though it sounds like a, you know a lot of that expertise is expertise you could you could buy in as you need it. Surely.
1: Yeah, you can certainly buy it in, um, but when you buy it in, you probably pay hourly rates. Whereas if you have it on a board, then um, you typically pay for um, a certain amount of their time on a retainer basis um, each month. And that is designed to cover the board meeting, preparation for the board meeting, um, and the director maintaining an interest in the company and being available to answer ad hoc queries. So it's not like a traditional um,
0: professional uh, consultant where the clock is on and off Mm. for for six-minute calls right okay so it becomes cost effective from that point of view and, and while we're talking about money i mean what is the what's the going rate? i know this is a how long is a piece of string question but what is the going rate and it, and do you normally just just pay or do you or do you often uh add a, an, an equity position as well yeah
1: i going rate depends on the size of the business as you said, it's a piece of string but um you know somewhere between say three thousand dollars a day and um yeah, and I'm sure there there is now upper limit. But I have recently heard of um, directors who were uh, charging ten thousand dollars a day. So three to ten, probably more around the sort of three to five areas, probably more common. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and that's typically paid, paid in cash. So if the business is a growing business or is looking to develop something and commercialise it, and perhaps. It, working capital might be short in the early days then there's an opportunity for um those directors perhaps to look at say options um, as a surrogate for
0: cash right yeah because I mean you you'd you'd be wanting them to i mean I would have thought that you know they'd have skin in the game then in, in a way you know they'd be uh, they'd be more keen That's to yeah and you'd you'd be trusting their decisions a lot more because you know that they're going to win as well where do these where do these people come from i mean are are a lot of board members people who have been in business and we, you tend to think you know very often as as boards being um, uh, particularly non executive board members uh being uh, largely men I was going to say men and women but probably men of you know of a certain age who've've who've been around for a while
1: yeah I think they have been around a, a little while generally um I would say that um, mo- you know, most
0: board members are probably over 40. Um, Nothing wrong with being over 40. That's not old. But no, uh, it feels old, though. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I was thinking, you know, actually having a lot of retirees on the board, people who've, you know, finished their careers and uh, making, a, making a living uh, in, in their retirement out of being on boards. And I'm just wondering whether that's a, a good thing or a bad thing, because you've got that whole thing about, you know, they've got wisdom, but perhaps, you know, they've also got an old way of thinking. mm it depends
1: depends on the person, obviously. But I
0: think that there is a benefit in
1: having some grey hair on the board, yeah. um, someone who's been there, seen it, done it. Um, obviously, they've got to have other relevant skills other than just being, um, you know, more experience. Um, I, I chair a board, and and when we look at our board, we look for diversity on that board. So we're we're looking for skills and experience, but we're also looking for a lot of diversity. So we look for um, a gender balance, for example. Yeah. yeah. Looking for, say, uh, no more than a 60-40 split either way. Now, we don't mind whether that's um, predominantly women or or predominantly men, but we're looking for that sort of a balance in that range. Um, And and that board is, is quite large, larger than I would normally recommend for a commercial business, but it's 11 people. Right. and it's because it's in a not-for-profit that it's a little bit larger um, and people are volunteers so you need to spread the load al- around a larger number of people but um, you know if we get, uh, we can sometimes we get a little bit, a bit out of whack if you've got say six men and four women and then one of the women resigns and you happen to replace that with a man then obviously you go to 70-30 so but we try to keep it very much in the 60-40 on a gender balance and we try to spread the ages out as well, so we're looking to keep a mixture of ages between about 40 and about 70, right. um, as well as the skills that we're looking for on that board. So we would have people it's a, um operate in providing supported accommodation to homeless people. So we um, look for people who might have experience in healthcare or social type of work plus lawyers accountants and marketers
0: and people with hr and finance and so on so so and in terms of so you say 11 is uh i understand why you need more when you're looking at a not-for-profit but for for mm. a commercial organization what seven or eight that sort of number would be the, the optimum size do you think
1: yeah i think seven
0: yeah. um you know well maximum for me
1: seven um five is really good yeah um you just, I think, you get a bit more groupthink with um, with five or seven. But you also, um, but you
0: also presumably want to make sure out of that. Like, if you had seven, for example, you'd want to make sure that at least three of those were non-executives. Cause, yeah, you would. because yeah, yeah. otherwise, you're yeah, just exactly you, you're, right. you're talking to yourselves. You know, you can have those conversations. <laughs> have those conversations in the corridor without that. We all uh, agree.
1: <laughs> well, we there agree. we are. Motion passed.
0: <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so, what about the role of the board then? What I mean, it's um, I mean, obviously, one thing. Um, in a publicly listed company, a key role for the uh, for the board is 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 appointing the CEO. Uh, mm. If you're looking at a private company, uh, it, does that sort of function carry over? Mm. I mean, um,
1: it, it's, I mean, well, often this, the CEO is the founder, yeah, um, and uh, and possibly one of the major shareholders. So it's unlikely that <laughs> the board is going to be appointing the CEO. Um, would
0: we'll be a very brave very, board.
1: Quite, very brave <laughs> board. But it's quite useful to have a non-executive chairman. Yeah. So and and then the chairman and the CEO relationship is really important, um, and the chairman can provide um, something of a mentoring type of relationship with the CEO.
0: Yeah. That can be really helpful, and I guess also, you know, if the if the CEO or the founder of the company is actually getting to retirement age himself, I mean, then I mean, uh, with his uh, with his support, I mean, the board could actually be performing that role. I guess of trying to find a successor and succession planning. I should imagine is uh, at, at any level within the organisation that would be a function, wouldn't it? Yeah, um,
1: certainly. Uh, in, so, in a commercial type of operation, then. Um, succession planning for management is really important, and also f- for senior management and the C-suite, um, leading up to the CEO. So, yeah, that's that's critical. Uh, also, succession among the board too. So, um, mm-hmm. some, not all of those uh, C-suite people will necessarily be on the board. Um, there may be uh, maybe some shareholder representatives on the board as well. That's another
0: tough director that can often make up the board so and how do you find the right people i mean this is the because you said uh right at the beginning you know it's all about uh, you know if, it, if it's not working it's a waste of time it is just another level of bureaucracy and look i've uh, i've been involved in in listed companies where there's been a fairly adv- adversarial um uh, Attitude, I think, between the between the CEO and the board, you know, there wasn't a lot of uh, uh, honesty and openness, and uh, really? was, yeah, 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 and I suspect that happens in a few places. And I'm probably not telling you anything that's surprising that you know that's happening in in listed companies. But I mean, that's a complete waste of time in a situation uh, that we're talking about. So, how do you make sure that doesn't happen? Because it is all about finding the right people and the right chemistry, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, look, I think as the chairman's role to um,
1: make sure that that chemistry works and. To make sure that there is uh, honest, open, transparent communication between the board and between the board and the CEO. I mean, the the board appoints technically the board appoints the CEO to execute the um, the strategy as approved by the board. Yeah. So, um, if you're asking anyone to do something for you, then you you need to um, absolutely be able to trust what they what they say. Um, two ways so i think that's that's really important um there's actually there was a uh, a guy uh, patrick lencioni i don't know whether you've heard of him who wrote a book called the advantage and he talks about in this book he talks about uh something called vulnerability based trust which is the uh, the trust that people have when they're prepared to um say say it as it is even if that may th- look them make them look bad right um, and that level of trust um, is really important in a board. So if you can get to the point where people will just say it as it is and there's no blame or politics around <laughs> those statements, then you can really deal with the situation as the person closest to it sees yeah. it yeah. rather than second-guessing at what the situation might be and then trying
0: to... Come up with a strategy to deal with that guest situation. So it is interesting. We're following on from our discussion about mentoring because it is just taking Mm -hmm. mentoring to another level. In in effect, isn't it? But you're you're also turning it into something concrete. In that uh, you know you're rubber stamping a strategy at the end of the day. But uh, but by and large, this is just an, an extension of the mentoring.
1: It's an extension of the mentoring, I guess. I mean, certainly within the board, the the chair and the CEO have a mentoring relationship. Um, and you could say that the board has a mentoring relationship with the organization, mm. without a doubt. Yeah. Um, but I think the board can provide more than that too. There's, you know, there, there really is an opportunity to um, step away from the day-to-day running of the business, which is where the executive directors are for probably 98% of the time, and step into the boardroom in a different name, in a different role, and to think about the business. So you know, different people have said at different times, you know, the difference between working in the business and working on the business. Yeah, yeah. So I think the board is a real opportunity for directors and non-executive directors and advisors to come together and work on the business. So and that's wh- why that transparent, sorry, that's why that transparent communication is really important because if the
0: board needs information about how the business is going and they need to know that that information is correct yeah yeah absolutely yeah they, they and and in in that sort of relationship um there's no reason why you wouldn't provide the real information if uh, if, no if, if you're all sharing the outcome absolutely absolutely not um the um so chemistry we've said is very important but but i'm just curious as to where you, and and you're saying it's the job of the chairman but where do you find the chairman i mean how, how is there a sort of a network of of places you can go to to uh, to, to find board members because if it's people who you don't know out your network people who are going to challenge the way you're thinking it's probably someone you don't know currently could
1: be could be someone you don't know um you, i think there are some uh, good places to look um certainly you can ask around you could ask uh you know your professional advisors they may um have links to people that um, um are available to chair boards or to be non-executive directors or to be on an advisory board um, other opportunities, though, uh, or places to look are the Australian Institute of Company Directors. They have a, a website, and if you need a director, um, you can advertise for one there. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other groups that are set up, things like the Executive Connection, uh, which the the chairs of those groups would have links to. The chairs of the tech groups would have links to chairmen and non executive directors, too. So there's there's three places that you could go to find a director. I think if I was looking, when we look for when we look for directors on board of one of the organisations that I'm with, we start from the skills base. So we say, well, what are we doing over the next two to three years? Um, what are the cri- key critical issues? What skills do we need um, to? Give ourselves some really solid experience on the board in those critical areas, mm. what have we got what 's the gap now when we sit around the room as a board and say well who 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 what 's the sort of person that would that would have that experience and where where might we find that type of person <clears throat> and often we have a number of people at any one time um, that we might be talking to, um, you know, having coffees with, having a look at their resumes, assessing their experience. So, in effect, it's a bit like a director pipeline or funnel um, of possible directors. And as we get nearer to the time when we need that, that skill or that person, then hopefully we've got the right people in mind. Yeah, yeah. So we have about, um, at the moment, we have about a dozen people in that um, in that director funnel
0: yeah and i guess in in a way i mean you know a director can be a director of many companies um it's it's not like trying to find uh, the expertise for a full-time role which can sometimes be difficult to get specific expertise because somebody's already grabbed them but uh, mm-hmm. in, in a board situation they could be working for multiple companies
1: absolutely and you know you, you know you might have as we've said you might have between five and 11 people on the board so um i'm I'm on a few boards, and you know, one of them there's there's uh, seven of us, so there's another seven possible directors that I know, and there's eleven on another one yeah you know and and they might be on boards as well, so it's a bit like that you know, how many degrees of separation are you prepared to go to, but if all of those people are active directors and they're all on two or three boards, then within two or three degrees of separation you've probably got a fairly large pool of people that are um, willing and
0: able to act as directors. Yeah, and you need to tap in at one level and uh, all of a sudden it opens out for you, I guess. Mm. So, um, just a final question then. I mean, given that you have worked, at, you know, and you've helped turn around so many businesses, I mean, what are the results you've seen on businesses that perhaps have started to introduce a board? It hasn't been part of the, the, the structure of their organisation before, or at least it wasn't uh, an active board. Uh, once it's activated, uh, what what sort of impact do you see? And is it fairly immediate? Uh, yeah, I think it's, pre- it's pretty quick. Um, you get a fresh perspective on
1: the business because n- new people ask, you know, the dumb question, mm. um, which causes the incumbent team to say, well, hang on a second, you know, why do we do that? Um, why do why do we do it that way? Or why haven't we considered that before? And so... Um, Responding to those questions is going to challenge your thinking, um, going to uh, open up new opportunities. And then as the board gets some momentum, that that fresh perspective uh, that directors, um, non-executive directors bring from their other experiences in in life and in business, um, can create a springboard for other ideas. Uh, so, I think that um, you know, in the first ninety days, you probably see
0: some benefit from uh, from a board and from bringing non-executive directors onto that board. So, is there any reason why you wouldn't do it, apart from the fact you're a control freak and uh, you <laughs> and you don't want anyone else involved in the decision making? And if, the, if that is the case, you've got to ask yourself whether that's healthy. But are there any legitimate reasons why you wouldn't? I really can't. I really can't think of of any. Um, Yeah, I'm sure there aren't. Tough question, though. Well, no. I mean, it's it's, it's probably probably given the answer. No, very quick one-word answer to that one. I suspect, Andrew. I'm happy to run with that. <laughs> <laughs> very good. I I'm seriously coming any. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. To he- that, that's good to hear. Well, that just uh, it just goes to you know to support everything you've been saying over the last 15 minutes or so. Andrew, uh, some very sound advice. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's a load of people now who are going to be saying, "Well, let's get to it." You know, um, hopefully, we've changed the, some people's thinking here today. Uh, good to so talk. So. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Phil.